0: that any expression of truth and a saint's life is an expression of divine truth is also a celebration of a truth that is infinite and not particular. We find this this expressed in the readings today of the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. I don't know if people understand or realize how very important in the light of Christian history and the history of religion Altogether, together, these two sayings are the Roman Catholic Church has used this particular statement from the Bible to uh, underscore what it claims to be its unique right to express Jesus's teachings. And the Bhagavad Gita is the answer to those pundits and scholars <laughs> dogmatists who believe that because they know the scriptures, because they can define truth intellectually, therefore they are speaking truly in truth, that they know the truth. The truth is, however, not anything that can be described in words. It must be experienced. And the early Christian history is a very interesting Testimony to this struggle that has always existed between what we can call in a Western context Christianity and Churchianity. Christianity is that teaching which emphasizes the need to commune inwardly with the infinite Christ, which is God manifest in this world, not in the body of one man, but in all beings. Behind everything that exists, there is that Christ Consciousness, the reflection of the infinite Father beyond creation. And the role of religion truly is self-realization. That is to say, to encourage and inspire and guide each individual to that discovery of who he is, as a child of the infinite, as a son and daughter of God. But religion also tries to reach people on as broad a level as possible. And this means reaching people who have the foggiest idea of what self-realization really means. They look at the mirror they think they're looking at themselves. And they their moods, their desires, their anger, their ups and downs, (laughs) their... Again in a form. And they had to give that form a whole new rationale so that instead of uh, following just rules, God's grace and God's love through Christ's sacrifice on the cross and so on, all of this would take the place of their own need to do very much because Jesus died for us and for our salvation. Insecurity that he needs us to believe in him. I really don't think that it matters to him any more than it matters to a parent whether the child really believes that it's his own parent or perhaps an adopted. He was adopted. The parent knows, and the parent gives love unquestioningly. And if the child renounces, beauty and a longing to serve you, to help you to grow up and to become a responsible member of society. A child's, a parent's love is unconditional. So is God's love for us. And this idea that only by believing in Christ, only believing in certain things intellectually, it's a great and very deep fallacy that can be very quickly seen by some of the words I view of Christians all over the world. How many of them are really Christian? Not very many. How many Buddhists are really Buddhists? Not very many. You have to go far before you'll find one true spiritual person. Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita said that out of a thousand, one seeks me. And out of thousands who seek, maybe one here or there knows me as I am. This is not something that you achieve by joining a church and signing on the dotted line. It's something that you achieve inwardly in the purity of your heart, in your communion with God and prayer to him. And Jesus made that statement himself again and again. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He did not say, Blessed are the Roman Catholics, or even blessed are my disciples. He said, Blessed are the are the pure in heart. <coughs> and what is it to be pure in heart? We had a farm at Ananda before finally we had to give up because the soil was just not good enough. But uh, our farmer at that time would take our, take young people who were apprentices in the garden and he would say, when you, when you take this soil indoors, it's dirt, but here it's soil. I want you to respect it as such. And so dirt, is dirty only because it doesn't belong there. There's nothing dirty in God's creation. But when it it doesn't belong in the heart, because the heart is made for something better, we are made in our nature as children of God. And if we think, no, I'm a child of matter and I want material things, and I love getting drunk every Saturday night, and I love doing everything that will please my body, this is dirt, not in itself but only because it pollutes that sacred image in ourselves, We are the temple of God, and we should keep it clean of desires and attachments and offer it up daily to God. This was the message of Jesus. But the priesthood, as they uh, got involved in spreading this teaching, realized that they knew a lot more than the people And so they began to say, and this is also a kind of realization, unfortunately not a very valid one, that if we have a church, and if people come to the church, we'll be able to control this whole thing, we'll be able to control the growth of Christianity, it won't go off in all sorts of different directions, and uh, so people should look to the priests, and the priests should be their intermediary between we make them bishops. And better to have one than a lot of bishops squabbling. So better have one priest who is the Pope. And so it is that we have a, a hierarchy in the Catholic Church, which is less so in the Protestant Churches, but still there is, to a large extent, this concept that a form, an institution, is going to be your art of salvation. I was listening a few years ago to Richard Wurmbrand, who was a, a great missionary, very fundamentalist, but we all have our our thing. And he faced his deeply And he, he loves Christ in his way and has suffered very much for his belief because he was in concentration camps in Romania where they tried to break his faith. And uh, it was very inspiring listening to him because what we believe in our minds is secondary to what we believe with our hearts. And he talked about the uh, situation of the church in Romania and behind the Iron Curtain when it existed and how most of the ministers were government stooges and so people couldn't rely on what the ministers were teaching them and they had to go to their own understanding And WordFrat gave examples of the kind of insights that these lay people had in their explanation of what Jesus knew the Bible and what all the teachings are really all about. And the point that he made, he made very well because it was very evident that the freshness of their understanding when it was not filtered through a seminary, not filtered through formal uh, dogmas, but something they had lived and experienced, made it real to them and to those who heard them. It was Christianity come to life again. This is what religion needs to be. There needs to be this individual contact. Now when when, when we look at people's belief system, people believe the world was round, was flat, that didn't make it flat. People believe in Jesus, but they have Many atrocities in the name of Jesus. They believe in God's love, but look at the things they do to show that love, what with uh, the persecutions and the Inquisition and, and the inter religious wars and so on. This is true in all religions. In the big struggle between Pakistan and India, the Muslims and the Hindus, training. decided to please God by murdering all those people. And trainloads loads of people arrived in Dhaka dismembered because Hindu fanatics thought that they would please God by murdering all those people. Can you really imagine God being pleased Is that kind of barbarity? Of course he isn't. What we believe in our minds is not the issue. What we believe in our hearts and what we live the rock on which Jesus would form his church. But he wasn't talking about the formal institution. What he said, as you heard, as Yogananda explained was, that Peter had a divine intuition to recognize Jesus, recognize the spirit within Jesus. And it was that intuition, that bedrock of divine insight that Jesus was referring to that on that bedrock I will be able to build my Church of Christ Consciousness, Cosmic Consciousness. This is what Christianity really is all about. Yogananda used to say that Jesus Christ was crucified once, but his teachings have been crucified every day since then for the last 2,000 years by people who have misunderstood the deep meaning of it. If you look at religion, that that one truth has come again and again and again. It says in the Gita, whenever darkness increases and virtue declines, I incarnate in this world as an avatar to bring people back to the light. This is what religion is for. And so in the early church, there was a great struggle between these two camps. One, the church, those who felt that it needed to be formulated in a body of worshippers, buildings, dogmas, we need to control to take the truth that we experience inwardly and make it be able to go deep into truth. Outward truth is necessary. Outward teaching is necessary. There's nothing wrong with churches. There's nothing wrong with bodies of worshipers. The Gnostics, most of them, or some of them at least, went too far the other way. But ultimately, it comes down to your relationship with God, your love for God, your uh, romance, you might say, with the infinite beloved. And this is what it is for. The Gnostics died out gradually because they didn't have this kind of outward form that could give it a body that would be recognizable and understandable in this world. But Yogananda came to bring that aspect of Christianity back to the world. And he, he said that he had been sent for this purpose to bring back original Christianity as it was taught by Jesus and original yoga as it was taught by Krishna. The yoga of techniques and methods for inward communion. And these two tied together are what will be the religion of the future. This inward communion and yet also fellowship with others in God, satsanga, without good company. Without the company of other people who are on the path and share the search with you, it will be much more difficult. Communities like Ananda Village and the other Ananda communities are very important. And if you don't have the opportunity to live with people who practice these teachings and work with them and worship with them, at least, Is this creates a certain strength in the individual. But don't allow that to be your excuse for not practicing your own religion in your heart. Practice a little bit of meditation every day. The time has come now that mankind has reached a certain level in outward understanding, where we realize that this world is just uh, energy, and that energy, not form, is the reality. The the blending of these different forms in that one realization is a possibility now. And Yogananda came to emphasize this truth. This blending of East and West. This blending of old and new. And finally bringing them all together in the individual and his search for God. You are not Holy according to what you belong to. You are holy according to how much you love God. And if we change the spelling of holy to W-H-O-L-L-Y, which is at least spoken that way, then you have the true meaning of what it means to be H-O-L-Y. Holy in that sense. Become complete in yourself. Realize that you are a part of the old, the whole of love and joy and union that is God and that God intended for mankind to rise to in his living here. So love God more deeply. Love him and make his experience, make his presence an experience in your life and don't be satisfied with believing or reading or attending anything unless it inspires you to Develop that wholeness within yourself that is indeed the meaning of yoga union.